Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heyo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox post-game show. Presented by PointsBet, use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast, Sean Anderson. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He is the CHGO White Sox community leader. We are here today to recap the White Sox 6-2 loss against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, all right, Herb, that was a great podcast, and uh, I think that's it. I don't, I don't need to talk about it too much. Uh, Sox fall to 18 and 19, <laughs> and uh, Royals improve to 14 and 2022. 20, I got a vacation to go to. Uh, the White Sox had their mind on something else. They're, they're not playing up to their task. So, uh, you know what? I'm just not going to podcast tonight. How about that, Herb? That works. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure the people who are watching right now and you're listening on the podcast on, fr- on Thursday, God bless. Goodness gracious. Truly. Yeah, God bless. Uh, thank you. you, sir and ma'am. But damn it. <laughs> this is our season. Uh, this was promised to us. Not only are they not good, they're actively bad. Mm-hmm. This is a bad baseball team. I don't know if you guys out there want to hear that. I don't want to say it. They're bad. And most of the elements of baseball, they're bad. They can't get on base. They barely hit. They feel like ch- children. A 28th air today. Only the D-backs, Rockies, and the Nationals have more airs than them. Just terrible. Yeah. Just a terrible, terrible team that was supposed to be good. And I don't care about injuries. Eloy doesn't make a difference. Lance Lynn wouldn't make a difference because the pitching staff is doing their job for the most part. All the rest of the elements that you need to win games, just not there for the White Sox. It's so disappointing. And we'll get the same things from the people who are waving the White Sox pom-poms. Long season. We got plenty of time to do this. When we get better, I'll give them credit. If they get better, I'll give them credit. If they go on a bender, win 10 in a row, you damn right. CHGO post game, CHGO White Sox post game. So much fun. I'll be out here cheering my ass out. But right now, after 37 games, they're shit. They are terrible. The worst team I've seen of a White Sox vintage, of a team that's actually trying to win. Like, those those bad teams of the rebuilding years, they weren't trying to win. And I think some of those I would actually want to watch more because these are boring games. Not the broadcast. Jason and, and uh, Gordon are very good. Yeah. I am entertained by them. The games are boring as hell because they're bad at baseball. And it's, it's, it's bad at baseball, and honestly, their record – paints a better picture than what they've actually been like. If you look at the Pythagorean win theorem right now, they're at 18 and 19 and they're going to fall to 15 and 2022 on the Pythagorean win loss ratio. And that's because they have a minus 30 run differential when they're winning games, they're winning by scoring four runs. That's not sustainable. You know that. That's why you, the White Sox fan, are frustrated. That's why us, the White Sox fan, are frustrated. Because this is a team that is absolutely underperforming. And with each and each game it happens, you start to question if it's underperforming or if it's this This is who they really are. If this is the true 2022 Chicago White Sox. Because you keep thinking, this is the day to get right. This is the day to get right. Apparently, it's a get-right series for the fucking Royals. A team mm-hmm. that just fired 
fired their hitting coach that just lost their best player in Salvador Perez to the injured list. And you're losing games. And thank God they did because that Melinda's kid is a champion of yeah. a hitter. I Man, saw, I saw, damn. I saw our guy Alex Roots say that he got lucky with Perez going to the IL because Melendez is a better player uh, than Perez. But still, he's a better DH than any of their options he has. They're better than Carlos Santana. I want to bring up one point. They walked one time, the White Sox. Yeah, they did. That one time that guy walked, he scored. That was Adam Engel. It was a good day for that. Walk, hit and run. Drive in that run. It's a novel concept. How about we take a couple more of those? How about we enjoy the pitcher letting us get a free base? Like sometimes our pitchers let the other team get free base, and then we see well how that happens. Just a dead team. I don't know what Tony's going to say in the post game. Bunch of gibberish. I've been through this. 83. Hey, I, the Oakland A's were this, and St. Louis Cardinals were that, and I did this. I don't care. He's bad. Rick Hahn's bad. That team as a whole is a bad. It's there's no excuses right now. None. Yeah. I don't care when they come back from the road trip. Rick takes the mic and he's like, "Well, we'll get the acquisitions back and Eloy, and we'll get Lance Lynn back, and we'll get Aaron Bummer back, and those will be like trade acquisitions. Those won't make a big difference." Yeah. I mean, the pitching staff is good, and Eloy, when he was in, he wasn't great. I, and, and two is just like, you know, Aloy is also somebody who presses. Aloy is also somebody who strikes out a ton. Aloy hits a fair decent amount of ground balls. Like, I, I don't think he's going to come in and save the offense. Mancada might have because then you would have gotten some stability in walks with Mancada and Grandal, but Mancada's not fucking walking. Like, he's, he's not doing that either. And Vaughn, who's supposed to be more of a patient hitter, he's not walking this year. He's going down on three strikes to Zach Greinke. And that was the thing, too. We saw this. We were making fun of Zach Greinke's prop line, his K prop line, of over two and a half. He goes well above this. He's had four games this year and seven starts, I guess eight starts now, where he's had one or less K. And the White Sox are letting Zach Greinke do whatever he wants up there. And that's what happened with every single pitcher. That's what's happened with every single pitcher that they've faced in the recent in recent ventures. Vintage. Yeah. Zach Grinke's faced the White Sox two times. In both games, he struck out the White Sox four times each game. Right. Then you said all the rest, a single strikeout. <laughs> what are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. Zach Grinke? <laughs> a thousand. Brady Singer. Brady Singer was down in AAA, and we talked about this yesterday. Brady Singer having these you know performances of seven innings and eight Ks, like, you can't be called a division winner or uh, the supposed division winner when you're losing games like this. And I don't have any faith. We'll go to this thing that uh, Alex showed us uh, yesterday about the Twins versus White Sox post-All-Star game break. And hey, you just caught another break. Chris Paddock of the Twins just hit the injured list with Tommy John surgery, so he's going to be out. So Minnesota just got weaker again. And looking at the Sox post-All-Star game schedule, they're going to face KC and Detroit. 20 games right there where they should win. What, 17 of the 20? Those are some bad baseball teams. Minnesota has less games against them. They have more games against AL and NL playoff caliber teams than the White Sox. The White Sox are in a tough just stretch right here with their schedule. They're going to be facing a lot of good teams late May, early June. You can't be messing around with KC right now. You can't be messing around with your ace on the mound and doing this. It's just pathetic. It's a pathetic performance. You did this with, with, with Davis Martin last night. You did this with Johnny Cueto, basically. You did this with Lucas Giolito. Even the ones you win are tight. They're butt-clenching tight. It, it's brutal. There's no pull-away in this team. There's no confidence in this team. There's no fun in this team. The, the, the parts that everybody loved from the outside and, and us as Chicagoans loved last year, the fun that this team was having, no one's having fun in this damn team. Yeah, and you've played the Kansas City Royals seven times this year. They've beat you four. <laughs> the Kansas City Royals, yeah, them, have beat you four times out of seven. That's just pitiful. Yeah. And, and last year they won the, divi- they won the series, season series too. Mm-hmm. It, it's a bugaboo. Right. And, and, I, and then now you – you think the Kansas City Royals are tough. We go out to New York, Rocks Bombers. 
That's that's real toughness. Yeah, and Johnny Cueto's gonna be on the mound, and Dallas Keuchel's gonna be on the mound. Yay, it'll be fun. <laughs> I can't wait. And I understand Dallas Keuchel's got a good ERA uh, lifetime against the Yankees, but uh, they just saw him, friends. I don't think he's gonna be fooling them uh, like he did last week. And I see people asking, when is Larusa to blame? Uh, it's this is on the players, guys. I mean, that, that's that's all it is. One for fifty in their last seven uh, games with runners in scoring position. They had thirteen runners in scoring position tonight. They had three singles. They drove in, you know, two people from third base, which was good to see. They drove in Ingle. They drove in Abreu from third base, but it's two times. You can't win only scoring two runs here. You got the Royals putting up six against you. Can you do that against the Royals? They did that once, right? They scored seven against the Royals, I think, when they were back at home. You're, you're not seeing any offense production, offensive output against any team. You're not seeing any spark on this team. I, I, I don't really know What's going on here, Herb? I'm lost about this team. I'm lost about their direction. And I'm lost about, you know, just, just like their hitters are lost. I mean, it just doesn't feel like there is a approach that they can truly rely on. There isn't an idea or game plan when they're going up to face these hitters. It just feels like they're trying and trying to swing it anything that they can and you know sometimes they don't swing and miss but they're just going to get weak contact and they're just going to let Zach Granke dot left and right up and down slow fast slow fast and he's just going to get weak contact yeah and I think that people should just look at Tim Anderson Tim no matter what man he's a hitter he hits and you know why he hits he allows the pitcher's pitch to go into him he allows the pitcher's pitch to do what it needs to do. Curveball, cool. Break as much as you need to. I'm going to see it as much as I need to because I know I got quick enough hands to flip that ball into right field. All his hits today, I thought, were all to right field. Yeah. Even the first pitch he swung at with Granky hit throwing a 92 mile or 90 mile per hour sinker on the first pitch, he's a smart guy. He knows that Tim's going to swing at the first pitch, but Tim almost drove that one out. He took it almost like right center field and. Whit Merrifield almost got blinded by the sun and played it kind of weirdly and caught it, but they should be taking cues from Tim, Not maybe not his aggressiveness early in the count, but his ability just to see a ball a little deeper because they were flailing that so many sliders off the plate that never even started on the plate. I don't know what their ideal was, and Zach wasn't necessarily dotting, eyes, uh, dotting fastballs or his changeup on the opposite side so you could say, okay, he's throwing that pitch again. No, it was a slider the whole time. <laughs> and they're flailing at these balls, especially Luis Robert. And in the game, you hear Gordon Beckham say, you know, he's just throwing those all exclusively to Luis. You got to just cheat one of these times and just throw your bat out there. You saw that late in the game with A.J. Pollock, a high fastball that was coming into him. The only way you could hit that is to cheat, mm-hmm. is to anticipate that ball's coming, get your hands going quickly, and get the barrel out. And he, that's why he drove it to left field for that double. White Sox, two extra base hits today. Well, and, Very, very poor. And something, too, with Luis, like, it's just they're playing into his aggressiveness. Something that he does is just swing. And if you look at where the pitches were thrown today against Luis Robert only, and this is my fault to Steven. Steven, I didn't send you this one. I just found this one while we're doing the podcast just because I'm trying to make sure that like this is this is actually their approach and they're not changing anything. And it is truly exactly what we've been saying, that pitchers are just pitching to the White Sox aggressiveness and to the White Sox stupidity, really, their inability to change when they're going up to the plate. And Luis Robert against Zach Granke and the Royals today swung it Everything outside of the zone, and and there's a picture in Slack, Stephen, uh, for a quick graphic. I'm sorry, uh, but it, it just to uh, illustrate where you know Granky and these guys are pitching Robert because we saw this. Like he was going slider away, slider away, slider away. But the pitches that would ultimately get him would be change up below the zone or sinker in and off the plate. But again, Luis is swinging; he's protecting. And once you go so far outside, you then open up that inside, which a veteran pitcher like Zach Granky knows, and that's what he used today against a hitter that really I just don't feel like he has the tools to succeed at the plate from a approach standpoint and from a just he, I don't feel like Luis Robert knows what hitter or pitchers are trying to do against him right which is in his third year is inexcusable but I don't know if he has anyone helping him I mean you can see it right now on the screen like that's where they threw the pitches to Luis Robert tonight there's not there's one in the zone and it's barely in the zone, right there. That sinker, that's that's right on the inside corner. Mm-hmm. 
hey, they have a game plan against him, and they're executing to a T. Zach Granke did it great. Look, look at all those balls. I know people who are watching or listening on the podcast can't see it, but there's a bunch of balls that are just off. They're just sliders <laughs> off of the plate, all in the same area. There's like six balls all in the exact same area, and I guarantee, I don't even have those stats on there, guarantee you swung at all six of those. Oh, and for All pitch? six of those, <laughs> well, yeah. Let's figure it out. Uh, I'll definitely, I can figure yeah. that out pretty damn easily. Uh, yeah, it's 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 brutal. I mean, and, the, the first one was a called strike. Okay, so he got a called strike, Granky, uh, on his first pitch to Robert. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was a ball outside of the zone, but then he gets him chasing outside of the zone. I mean, it's, it's part chasing, too. Yeah, and... This is the thing. Like, I, I saw an article today, and those, maybe somebody tweeted this out. Zach Collins last year apparently said that, hey, you know, when I came up, there wasn't really anything, you know, as far as preparing hitters to do this or that. And then we got to A last year. They had more people working in the departments to help hitters out with just everyday things. This is the scouting report of the pitcher. Here's some video. You saw today the White Sox in the dugout watching video during the game. I don't know how many people they have as a staff, like analytics staff, video staff, but whoever they do, they need much more because it's it's obvious that either Frank Minichino, Tony, Tony La Russa, uh, Miguel Cairo, all this coaching staff doesn't go over these guys with these guys what's going on with them. If we could see it. Those guys can see it. Right. At least if they do, these haters are not listening and executing the plan correctly. It's very frustrating to see our team we know is a better hitting team than this just be this listless. Yeah, and, and listless is a great word because, again, we're, we're it's just no changes from last night. Again, one walk, and I, I called it. It was going to be a meaningless uh, – I guess it wasn't meaningless because he ends up scoring. Uh, but Adam Ingle walks against Zach Ranke in the fifth inning, and then – Andrew Vaughn hits him over, and and I think he hit a, a, a single right through the gap on the second base side. Uh, Ingle gets to second, and then uh, T.A. ends up driving him home, or Garcia ended up driving home, I think. Garcia, no, that was, Garcia drove uh, Abreu home. I'm pretty sure uh, Robert ended up driving home. Uh, uh, T.A. had fucking, the other RBI. <laughs> yeah, T.A. had the RBI. He yeah. drove an Ingle from third. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I just think that it's it's frustrating because it's just like you need to see more pitches. Robert needs to see more pitches. I don't think Anderson does, but truly, I mean, Abreu and I think Grandal are the only guys that I think are seeing like a good amount of pitches. And part of it too, like Granky, you could see it in the first two at-bats. Like he knew where the TA was going to be aggressive on the first pitch and he threw TA a ball that was going to be a sinker that, you know, was going to be definitely low in the zone and TA flies out. And then the first two pitches to Mancata are basically right down the middle because he knows that he's taking. He knows that Mancata is an aggressive uh, or not, not an aggressive hitter, but a patient hitter. Um, and right then he gets him down 0-2. So then Moncada just is going to expand his zone naturally, and that's where he gets into a bad spot. Um, you you really can't be patient against Granky, but you also can't be too aggressive. And it's 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 a tough balance uh, clearly to 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 do as the White Sox didn't do well against Granky, but it just becomes frustrating that they're not able to draw more walks and they're not able to go a little bit more station to station and they're not able to get a big hit at all. Again, one for 50 in their last seven games with runners in scoring position. It's it's truly, truly uh, brutal. The pitching was fine tonight. I thought it could have been a little bit better, but when you're scoring two runs, sir, you're, you're just not going to win a lot of baseball games and you really shouldn't the way that they're, uh, that, that they're playing recently. Yeah, and the pitching, I want to commend Lucas Giolito. We both thought that he should have came out for the sixth inning. Just because, you know, 92 pitches, it seemed like he got his second win there. He was struggling early. First inning was atrocious. He didn't give up any runs. 23 pitches there. Didn't have anything except for his uh, changeup in that first inning. Then second inning, ran into a little bit more trouble, gave up a run. I think this is a testament of Lucas Giolito. He either gets mad and or focused after he gives up home runs. Mm -hmm. Because after the third inning home run by Bobby Witt Jr., Six of the next seven guys went down, and Lucas was on one. Right. Then he was doing his shit. I loved to see it. I loved it. I mean, we saw that with the Angel series. Gave up two solo home runs, then dominated after that. Yeah. So maybe it takes that, which I I guess, because Lucas used to have a thing in the first inning a couple of years ago where he would just struggle in the first inning, and he's like, okay, I don't know what's going on. And then he figured out those problems. I don't know what happens. He's like, 
needs somebody to slap him in the face with a home run before he's like, okay, all right, let's let's stop fucking around. Yeah, it was because he did not fuck around after that. After the third inning, after the home run, the man was cruising through the fifth. It was Bobby Witt uh, in the third inning to hit a home run, gave the Royals a two to one lead, and then Geo struck four straight out in a row. Then Kyle Isbell got on us the single. They tried to steal. Grandall threw him out, and then Geo struck out the next guy. Uh, so five out of the six after he uh, uh, struck out Witt, he, he got he got down on Case. So, I mean, that was good to see. And, you know, I, I think Giolito was a little bit iffy tonight. I, I think that, you know, his stuff wasn't perfect. It wasn't exactly Giolito-like, but it was good enough to get a win. And, and you know, I, I feel like you, you do want to see more length with Giolito, especially eight games in seven days here. They're in in the midst of that this is their fourth of eight you would like to see him go a little bit longer so you don't have to use Raylo as much as you did you don't have to use Burr as much as you did but again it's it's just you know MJ says it right there the Sox are one in 16 when their opponent scores four or more runs it's because they're not scoring enough right now uh well, let's just stay with this real quick uh, let's look at their balls in play the White Sox today uh their balls in play and where these balls were located um I think I sent that one did I not st- come on I, I didn't send the batters in play yes I That's did fine. I, I straight up did. Come if, on, it's all right. But let me get the, let me get to Lucas before we go. We talked yesterday about <laughs> Davis Martin loading up first pitch strikes. Yeah. Today, Lucas Giolito faced twenty two hitters. You want to take a gander, a guess of how many first pitch strikes he threw to those two twenty two hitters? Um, fourteen. Eleven. Okay. Yeah. He he felt a little off today, and yeah. and part of that too is I mean. Part of it, he wants to open up the strike zone on 1-0 uh, just because his fastball, he has a pretty decent command of that. Um, he usually starts guys off high up in the zone because if he gets them to swing and miss at those high fastballs, then he's just going to be able to open up that zone for for lower changeups and lower sliders. So I don't know if he really needs those first pitch strikes, but it's definitely going to be more effective and it's going to help you get you know longer into the game. If you're if you're throwing more first pitch strikes, you know hopefully, uh, and, and maybe that's a, a change from how he saw Cease get hit in, in, in game one, uh, but... I do think that, you know, if you're at least having, you know, around 15 of 20, uh, 22 first pitch strikes, you're probably going to go a little bit deeper in that game. So uh, I don't hate that 11 number, but it, it should be a little bit improved. But, you know, we saw the the whole idea of what works against the Royals, and, and this still works against the Royals. I mean, good pitching will just beat the Royals. And what's going to, you know, help them is, is, is bad offense. And the White Sox, again, just bad offense, I feel like. It's it's a lot of, you know, the same. A lot of sliders, low in a way, a lot of sinkers in and it just feels like the White Sox cannot make that adjustment and and there's a, a couple times that they've been able to make the adjustment uh, AJ Pollock had a double but clearly it's not enough as we're here sitting disappointed after a 6-2 uh, a loss and the White Sox fall to 18 and 19 a lot of people are asking like when this is going to be you know declared a bad season I see trade Abreu I, I mean when do you truly start to get nervous Herb well usually the 60 game mark we're at 37 that's the drop dead, like, hey, this is what our team is. But I just sent out a tweet. Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. They are this until proven otherwise. Have you seen any glimpses out there? People who are watching, people who are listening. Have you seen any glimpses, at least sustained glimpses? You're like, yes. No. That's our team. That's the team I've been waiting for through this lockout. That's the team that Rick Hahn promised us to compete for multiple championships. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 10-1 to 1 game versus Detroit was pretty great. That was an awesome, good game. But few and far between. It's been really, really terrible. And that was game two, right? That was game three? three? The Sunday. It was a Sunday night game. It was a Sunday morning game, so it was game three. It's 34 games ago. That's the last time we could look at a game and say, hey, that was a good one. You're talking about the 10-1 victory. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the last time they they won by like eight runs or something like that before that was Dylan Cease's shutout of the Texas Rangers in early September. It's, I know, <laughs> I, it's not wrong of you to think this team is bad. No. And if your friends they, say, oh, they're not bad, they're just struggling this long season, correct them. No, they are bad. And as um, one of the guys from, I forgot, uh, 7-9th and Hallis, um, but he also oh, does it. Uh, Scotty, we, I think yeah, his name is. Yes, Scott. Said. Barber, what, Scott Barber. Yeah, Scott Barber. his brother is, I, I forget his brother's name. Now. Yeah, once they, I posted the 28 errors, he's like, no, a good team doesn't make 28 errors. It's not one of the worst teams in baseball. 
and making errors. That's not a mark of a good team. And that's what the White Sox are not. They're not a good team. Joe and Scott Lewis. They are bad. Like, it's, it's, it's fine to say. If Rick Hahn hears this or somebody else hears this, tell them, please. Tell your friend who thinks they're still good. They're bad. That's not going to change until something else with them changes. It's all on them. The Royals are no damn good. Not at all. That's their 14th win of the season. The White- Four of them have come against your Chicago White Sox. The White Sox are 0-3 against Minnesota. They are 3-4 and against Kansas City. They are 1-4 and against Cleveland and 2-1 and against Detroit. Yeah. They have a losing record against three of the four the worst teams in the AL Central. Team, the worst division in baseball. I, it's that or the, the NL Central, nope. but it's one of them. Nope. They are. I know there's mm. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Pittsburgh can come and get you every once in a while. And Cincinnati has aired a couple people out, even though they haven't won a bunch of games. Cincinnati's offense is a little bit better than ours. Pirates have 16 wins. Cubs have 15 wins. Reds have 10 wins. Sox are 18. Cleveland, 16. Royals, 14. Tigers, 13. Yeah, look at the top. You didn't talk about the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Well, so I, the top heavy, I would... If those two teams, they would murder the White Sox. Brewers at 24, Cardinals at 20. Yeah. So, you, know, you know what the Cardinals are? A disciplined team. Yeah. They know how to walk. They know how to take a plate appearance. And they know how to drive the ball over the plate and when they, it's and, pitched to them. And they know they have an actual game plan. Let's When they say, you know, if they're facing Carlos Rodon, oh, hey, let's attack the first pitch fastball and go look at what Carlos Rodon's uh, worst start is. It's against the St. Louis Cardinals because that's a smart organization. When was the last time you just felt the White Sox were smart? When was the last time you felt that the White Sox had a good game plan against a starting pitcher? M- maybe Robbie Ray in the rain when we saw them, they scored six runs. Wasn't that impressive? <laughs> it was a good output for them against a good pitcher. But outside of that, I mean, like that might be their most impressive offensive performance this year. The best way to support CHGO is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk free bets up to $2,000. That's not it. If you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlay. For the first time ever, you could build the perfect live NBA same-game parlay only with PointsBet. You can combine your favorite bets anytime during the game, and if you want more, you can also boost your live same-game parlays. You can watch live, parlay live, and boost Live with PointsBet. Online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And I want to mention CHGO. We want to talk to you about where we work. It's our favorite place to show up every single day. And we want you to be a part of our community if you aren't already. You are a part of our community if you're listening to our post-game shows and our pre-game shows and you're hanging out in the chat or you're downloading us and listening to us on your way to work. But the one way you can help support us and become a true member is by going to allchgo.com and signing up to become a member. Members, when you sign up, you get a free shirt of your choice. We have a lot of dope merch with every team in Chicago to choose from. You get premium written content from great writers like Adam Hogue uh, on the Bears side, you know, Mario Terabasi, Greg Boyson, Jay Zawoski on the Hawks side, the Bull size, uh, Will Gottlieb, Dave writes a little bit, Matt Peck writes a little bit. He's got the pecking order and the White Sox covered by our own Vinny Duber. Why wouldn't you want to read Vinny Duber's work? He's fantastic. Also, Boom. members get a free uh, they, they, they get admission into our CHGO lounge. It's our members-only Discord chat where you get to talk to us, the CHGO personalities. Um, pretty pretty crazy that I said Vinny's name and you just showed up, huh? Yeah, it's weird. That's pretty weird. Vinny, I, I straight up, like, I said Vinny Duber and the thing started lighting up. So that's just very good teamwork right there. That's that's very good, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, collaboration. It's good synergy. You can follow Vinny Duber on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. How's it going, Vinny? Good to know that I'm Beetlejuice at this point. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sox lose 6-2. to two. They fall to below 500, 18-19 on the year. What was it like in the clubhouse tonight? Quiet. I mean, they, they, they can't score any runs. <laughs> they can't, you, the, the, the point of the game is to score more runs than the other team. 
uh, and they're having a mighty difficult time doing that. Uh, you know, they've gotten some wins of late. Certainly, you know, we saw that it's not like it's just all losses all the time, but the common thread is it's all low scoring all the time. And, you know, even tonight when they, when they get uh, a, a good deal of hits, you know, they come up empty with runners in scoring position. They leave guys on base. Uh, they're having trouble touching home plate. Uh, and I, I don't think that anybody wants to offer up um, an explanation that would be satisfying at, at the very least. You know what I mean? These guys are, are trying to do their job. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but, you know, talking to Tony tonight, he was not happy about the offense. You know, used the word unacceptable a couple times. And uh, uh, looking at it, though, you know, he, he wouldn't really explain what the problems were because, you know, he's like, yeah, we don't want to give a scouting report to the other team. Uh, granted, I would have to imagine right now that if you're wa- if you are of the baseball eye and you're watching them, uh, it, 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 it must not be too difficult to find out because they're not scoring throw, against the you, team that they should be scoring against. Yeah, you throw <laughs> sliders low and away, and you throw sinkers and fastballs inside. I mean, I, I can scout the White Sox, and I've, I didn't even play past grammar school baseball. Um, and I understand, you know, it's very it's very basic, uh, but it, it is it's frustrating. Mm. And I just wonder what it's like in the White Sox clubhouse. Would you say it's more frustrating or maybe like bafflement? Like, well, man, I don't even know how we have this bad of luck, or, or we don't know why things haven't turned around yet. Would you say it's more frustration or like bafflement from the players I I think it's frustration I I think people can you know find a silver lining in the fact that it hasn't gotten to them you know what I mean like guys are coming in in good spirits every day you know and I think that's what you want you don't want your team to be you know just down in the dumps all the time that's not going to make anything better obviously Um, they're coming in with the same kind of you know mental and emotional approaches they have uh, you know as long as I've been covering this team uh, which I think is a positive uh, that being said, you know, what is another thing that we always hear from, from the front office is a results-oriented business, right? And that's, the results right now are, are, are poor. <laughs> they're, they're worse than poor. They're bad. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not good going for this offense right now, and it's a shame because the pitching uh, has been very good for the most part. Um, the defense tonight for the most part, was very, very good. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't even think you can blame Adam Engel for doing what he did out in right field. Um, uh, you know, there was the one ugly play from Ryan Burr at the end of the game, but that was, you know, that proved unconsequential. So, um, you know, they can't, uh, you can't even say they can't hit anymore because they got 10 hits tonight. They just can't score. And that's, uh, that's, that's a big, big problem because as, as the numbers show, the records show, the games against the teams that they're supposed to be beaten from this very not good AL Central right now, uh, they, they've lost twice as many games as they've won against division opponents. And yeah, the Twins are playing well. Three of those losses are against the Twins, sure. But come on, you're losing to the Royals, you're losing to the Guardians. These, te- these are teams that even as disappointing as the White Sox record is right now, those teams are all worse than them. Uh, I mean, so these are the teams you got to beat and, and they're, and when you don't do it, I mean, listen, they could still win this series, you know, they win tomorrow, they still, they win the series, but, um, you know, it, it's, it, listen, I understand why people are frustrated. I understand why you guys are frustrated because it's just, it's just tumbleweeds right now, uh, uh from on the offensive side of things. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that just waiting is a bad answer. You know what I mean? These guys are, are good players. They're talented players. They've hit before. Um, I don't think that's a wrong answer. But every single day, it becomes later and later in the season. Uh, and, you know, it, it, we, we haven't even reached two months yet. It, you know, there is tons and tons and tons of time left here. But, uh, like, you know, you got you to gotta turn it on at some time, at some point here. Uh, what did Lucas Giolito say about his outing? Because to me, it seemed like... He didn't get going until that home run by Bobby Witt Jr. in the third. Then he was aces. Yeah, he said as much. He basically said, you know, he didn't have it in the first couple innings, um, and the last three were much better, uh, you know, on, on the whole. Uh, he was he was very, you know, complimentary of the defense that played behind him, especially early. Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu were making some really nice plays in those first few innings. Uh, and after that, you know, he, he, he settled in. I mean, listen, this was a night when Lucas Giolito was not effective, where he ran his pitch count up really high and he had to leave after five innings and he only gave up two runs. White Sox should win that game with, with the offense that they've got.
Even if you're even if you're saying that's going to be one of the starts of the of Lucas Giolito's season where that he wants to flush, that he wants to throw it out, you know, because these guys are competitors, they're perfectionists, they want to you know go nine innings and not give up any runs every time they step on the mound. Um, if you would have told him that you know you're going to get chased after five, he would have been very upset and he wasn't very happy about his outing. But he only gave up two runs. Credit the defense, credit him for settling down. Uh, the offense has to has to pick him up in that situation, not because he screwed up, but because he allowed them to be in a chance to pick him up and they didn't do it. Is there a chance that, you know, these guys are all professionals, you know, Lucas is a professional, but we've seen this a couple of times where pitchers kind of come out really off. Their games are off. Their control and command are off. Maybe the pitchers are pressing themselves because they know the offense isn't there yet, you know, trying to compliment uh, the offense by going out and shutting out the next team and throwing pitches a little harder. Is there any validity to that? Do you think uh, these guys just throwing the ball a little bit harder to try to shut out this other team because they know they're not going to get a lot of offense on their side? Uh, no, I mean, Lucas was asked that directly pretty much. And he said, he said in, in the answers to other questions, yeah, he was trying to do a little bit too much in the first couple innings. And that was where some of the problems stemmed from, but he very much said he's not thinking about, what the offense is going to do. He has to execute what he's got to do. And he said, it's an individual thing. It's an individual, you know, and baseball is, it's that individual sport, right? Where, you know, the pitcher can go out and throw a perfect game. And if nobody scores any runs and, you know, then it's, it's not as impressive of a win kind of thing. You know, it's just how baseball works. Um, he's not, he's not focused on what the bats are doing, but that being said, he did say that he was trying to do a little bit too much in the early going. Um, I don't think the starting pitchers are necessarily trying to do anything because of what the offense has been doing lately. I mean, you got to remember these, those guys are part of the team too. They know that the, the talent in this lineup they're they're expecting it to bounce back just like anybody else is. But um, Tony says on, on the offensive side, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're really struggling to kind of Goldilocks this thing right now because sometimes they're, they're too aggressive. Sometimes they're not aggressive enough and it's kind of floating around and they haven't yet really gr- grabbed onto that s- sweet spot that they need to be in. Um, when it's going to happen, about we'll like see. That, that balance, like uh, maybe what games have been more aggressive or non-aggressive? He's, has he talked about that balance? Because it really just feels like they've been too aggressive in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think you can... I think he's talking in general. You know what I mean? I, I don't think he was talking about a specific thing that's pl- plaguing a specific player or anything like that. You know, as as I said when the season first started, uh, it, it's a hitter-by-hitter hitter thing. And, and he, he said that as much tonight, that, you know, when they go to fix this thing, they're going to go through and, and chip away at the problems hitter-by-hitter. Hitter. Um, and, you know... You, you can't tell Tim Anderson to stop being aggressive. He's the guy's batting 330, 340. Like he's, he's fine. He should be aggressive. <laughs> Luis Robert is been one of the team's better hitters. He's aggressive. Do it. Jose Abreu told us today he's aggressive. He's going to stay aggressive. That's what these guys do. I mean, and these guys are, have had some great, great success in doing that. Um, other guys, not so much, right? Other guys, Yasmani Grandal is, is, jumps out as a great example, a guy who has thrived when he's as patient as he can possibly be. Yoan Moncada would fit that description as well. Um, so it's not a team-wide thing. The team-wide thing is that they're swinging at bad pitches, and, and that's not necessarily being aggressive or being not aggressive. It's just not doing what you're supposed to do when that guy throws you that pitch. Yeah. Vinny, a uh, thing I wanted to know, I don't know – if you have access to what they do before the games, are there like hitter meetings where they break down what this pitcher is doing or that's all individually for the players to do or to find Frank Minikito to break these things down? Nope. Start of every series, there's a hitters meeting uh, and they go through the whole pitching staff and, 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 you know, the scouting reports and stuff like that. Obviously this is an abnormally long series with a very large number of games, but uh, you know, usually that's, you know, the, the day one of a three game series, that's what they do. And they spend time doing that. And that's part of the part of the thing. I mean, these guys have access to so much information. How many times, you know, in, in a couple of years past, have we seen guys like Asmani Grandal sitting in the dugout looking at looking at his own at bats on, a, on an iPad? You know, the, the, the information that these guys have at their fingertips is uh, is massive. And uh, certainly they have the resources in not only their coaching staff, guys like Manichino, guys like Howie Clark, who's the assistant hitting coach, but in themselves. You know what I mean? Maybe, uh, you know, when it comes to a young guy might go to a veteran guy or a guy who's been around the AL Central for a while might be a resource for a guy who's new to this division. Uh, you know, 
it's a it's a wealth of knowledge and they're drawing on it they're working and that's what everybody keeps saying be it tony uh or, or every player in that locker room is hey they're trying uh, lucas giolito said tonight they're working their ass off i mean it's this is not a this is not uh, you know I know people want to think that they can read everybody's everybody on the field's mind, you know, and say, oh, they're not trying or there's no heart or anything like that. Yeah, of course they're trying. Uh, it's just a matter of, uh, of, of not getting, getting the results that they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, you could say, you know, one of the runs that was given up that kind of blew this thing open, you know, Engel was trying on that play, and you could see the effort from T.A. tonight. I mean, clearly he was tuned up to a different reason. Uh, you know, he, he he obviously was performing out there to show something to someone. That was uh, his best game overall. That was his best game probably this, this year. whole year. Yeah, so, Defensively I mean, awesome, so. There, there was good effort out there, absolutely. Um, it just it is frustrating when you see the same problems, I guess, build up and build up. Uh, going back to Geo, um, I do wonder – how was his battle with COVID? If it was a battle, did he did he talk about that? He said, yeah, we talked to him, what was it, yesterday? We talked, or two days ago, I, they're all blurring together down here in Kansas City. But yeah, uh, <laughs> no, we, when we talked to him earlier, before today, he said uh, that uh, it was he, this is the second time he had it. He had it once in the offseason, and then he just got it again now. And he said that this time was worse. It, it affected him more physically. Um, you know, obviously nothing that he didn't get over and, you know, able to, to pitch again. Uh, but yeah, it didn't sound like that was a lingering effect of, of that at all that with that, that, uh, impacted him today. He said, uh, listen, uh, I'm a routine oriented guy. And, uh, you know, when he's thrown off his routine, right. You know, that whole day one, two, three, four, day five is the start kind of thing. When he's thrown off the routine, it, it, it messes with him a little bit. And I think that's probably, uh, the result of that, uh, stretch of, of sickness more than anything. Absolutely. And then, uh, the other one with Gio, uh, I did want to follow up because, uh, 2017, you know, had ERA against the Royals, 135, 2018, 288, 2019, 316, 2020, 450, 2021, 557. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, five and two thirds or whatever, or five innings tonight, two earned runs, not a bad outing. Uh, but has he talked about maybe, has it been frustrating for him facing the Royals? But because it, you know, it seems like lately he's had a little bit of some difficult outings versus the Royals. I mean, he didn't talk about that, but him and every other White Sox pitcher, right? I mean, you know, what was it, 2020, when they they, they swept him, right, completely? They won every game they played against them in 2020, I think it was. And then last year, they were under 500 against them. Like, I mean, yeah, last, year was a, last, was a, year. last year was a challenge for them, and, and they're getting it again. I mean, listen, anybody who's watched the White Sox for any length of time, as they always seem to get uh, pestered by the Royals, no matter what the expectations are for the White Sox in a given season. It's a team they have trouble with, and, and you know, you, you, for the longest time, the White Sox or the Royals rather have been one of those, you know, not great teams, right? A team that that doesn't finish with a high record outside of those few years when they were, you know, World Series caliber. Uh, but you know, they, they've somehow managed to be a thorn in the side, uh, basically every year it seems for these White Sox, no matter how good either team is. So I think you're seeing it again this week, right? I mean, you, you saw it. You saw it back when these two teams met in Chicago when that first game. That, that first game of that series, what, the White Sox walked 11 guys in one game or something like that? I mean, yeah, listen, the White Sox shouldn't be, shouldn't be shooting themselves in the foot by doing that kind of thing, but it always seems like they have trouble with the Royals, and uh, you're seeing it again. Let's get to some positive stuff. I asked you yesterday about barbecue. You didn't have a chance because all the baseball. I saw that you went and got some barbecue today. Where'd you nice. go? Went to Smoking Guns Barbecue, which mm. was the recommendation of uh, of our guy Kevin Kaduck. Okay. Uh, so uh, that was a very good recommendation. Had myself a little brisket, had a little pulled pork, mm -hmm. came with some cornbread, some barbecue beans, some onion rings. It was a, a feast at dinner time, uh, or at lunchtime rather. Uh, for me today, good stuff going on going on the wall. I don't know if it's quite as good as some of those spots over the border in Kansas, which are uh, you know some of the some of the famous spots uh, down Joe's here in Kansas delicious. City. Joe's is great. Love slaps too. That's an underrated one. But uh, yeah, smoking guns gets uh, two thumbs up from me. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Uh, glad you enjoyed that. I got two final ones for you. Uh, one, I texted you about this. I don't know if Gio mentioned it. Did he say anything about a slider? He did not. That, that okay. is that is some in depth stuff. You know, that's more of a uh, not uh, heat of the moment post game kind of thing. Right. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We'll see and in then, the future. Uh, the, the other one I saw you mention that uh, you know your press box buddies didn't want to hear about this, but I would love to hear about this. You talked about being on the flex cam at Kauffman Stadium back in two thousand nine. What was that experience like? 
Uh, second time for me at the K, so I was a freshman in college, uh, Easter Sunday, 2009, Royals, Yankees, uh, you know, it, it, it was a rainy day and uh, it was not uh, a heavily attended affair by the later innings. And we were, the flex cam was on, standing, uh, you know, so somewhere against a railing somewhere, you're doing the joking, flexing to try and get on the flex cam. Didn't happen for me. Sitting there and I'm like, oh, I look up and I'm like, oh. That guy's uh, got the same uh, same jacket that I got, the same sweatshirt that I'm wearing. And then I'm like, oh, well, there, there's a reason for that. So on the flex cam I went, uh, yeah, that was uh, that's one of probably the only time I've been on uh, a Jumbotron. So, but there it was. Hogan posing? Were you doing like, you know, the classic, like, you know, showing off? Or was it just like, I'm, you know? Probably a couple pops deep at that moment. I would have to imagine that I was, uh, you know, doing a whole bunch of stuff in a very energetic manner. Well, good to hear. And I hope you enjoy your final days uh, in uh, KC tomorrow. I hope you don't get arrested in Missouri because you just admitted to a crime there. You're a 19-year-old kid drinking beer. Come on now. Pops. I said pops. Hey, pops. Huh? Oh, I thought you meant pops like as in beer. Why would I say beer pops if I you don't never beer? Heard, you've never heard the, the thing? I've had a couple pops and that means beer? No, oh. I would just say beer. <laughs> yeah, see, I thought they would arrest you. I arrest you. Uh, I know the uh, statute of limitations is uh, probably lapsed, yeah, but no. Shit. Yeah, I was gonna say underage drinking is illegal, Vinny. Dude, guys, come on. I was I was underage. I was obeying the rules. I knew this would be a future workplace of mine, so I wasn't gonna go ahead and uh, <laughs> risk anything. Well, very smart of you. Glad you're thinking ahead, and uh, you can follow Vinny Duber on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Uh, he's a CHGO White Sox beat writer. Appreciate your time tonight, Vinny. Take it easy, guys. You too. What a guy. What a gem. You don't know. You never heard of the pops. No, I, I I I understand why you you went there because it did sound like if you had seven or eight beers that you might forget what you were doing on the flex cam in Kaufman Stadium. I think it was more he forgot about it because uh, it was no, thirteen no, no. years ago. No pops as the term. Like I've had yeah, a no, couple no, pops I, I, as, yeah. as beer. No, I, I know what you're saying. I, I and especially the way he phrased it. Saying, no, no, like, I'm just saying. Have you never heard the term yeah, pops yeah. as beer? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and, I, and I'm giving sure. you credence to why you got okay. ask me about that. <laughs> I'm saying right. you're right, Herb. Don't worry. Uh, all right, I'll do talk? a read. You want to do that read? Yeah, it's the points bet number two. It is the points bet number oh, two. Oh, if you join, if you enjoy CHGO, Sean, and I know you do, one way to help us and continue to grow is download the points bet app and use code. C-H-G-O. It's right to my left. It's up there. See it? If you're watching right now, if you're on uh, the podcast, you can't see it. When you sign up, not only are you going to get two risk-free bets for up to $3,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free C-H-G-O membership, which unlocks all our free web content. You'll even get a free t-shirt of your choice from the C-H-G-O locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever. So once you start living your, ah, sorry, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-522. Four seven zero zero. And Herb, it's now time for our points bet pick of the week. If you see it on the traffic log, points bet P O T W. It is not points bet prisoner of the war. It is pick of the week. And the pick of the war. Yeah, <laughs> of the war. Uh, and the pick Uncle of the Herb week. Name that. <laughs> the pick of the week is uh, you should spend all your money this weekend on the Yankees money line. All right, you're going to see Dallas Keuchel, Johnny Cueto, Michael Kopech, Dylan Cease. Doesn't matter. White Sox aren't going to score any runs. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If you got money, throw it on the white. Throw it on the White Sox opponent. Uh, honestly, uh, I'm not going to be here tomorrow to preview the Royals game. I hope they win that game. I'm not even going to joke about them losing that game because they should win that fucking game. But <laughs> against the Yankees, I expect them to get sweeped or swept. So the pick of the week is spend oh, your money Christ. on the Yankees, friends. Uh, and you got Kevin asking, you know, uh, what's going wrong with the lineup? How do you fix the lineup? We don't know, Kevin. Uh, I, I, t I told Vinny on the thing right there, you know, what's the scouting report? Tony doesn't want to give up the scouting report. <laughs> Are you kidding me, Tony? Like, come on. The scouting report's easy. Throw sliders low and away. They strike out 47% of the time on pitches outside of the zone, and they've seen over 200 sliders low and away. Hmm. It's, it's an easy thing. They Alec, get slidered to death for a reason. Alec S., your guy says that uh, they have an open container in Missouri. Hmm. I wonder that state sucks. Well, isn't open container decent? No, that means you can just you can drink beer in your car. Yeah, um, that's fine. 
No, it's terrible. You shouldn't be drinking beer. Oh, like in your car. But I mean, like, I know that. As a passenger. Nor. But it's in your car. Yeah. You can't do that yeah. in Illinois. You get thrown in jail. Well, That's DUI. You know, like Nola, you got open container, but you're like you can be on the street and drink and stuff like that. So I didn't know if it meant like yeah. you can just be out in the open having a having a cold one, you know, on on Western Ave or something like that. Kansas City is good though. I like that part of the state. The actual city of Kansas City is good. St. Louis is boring. As so hell. is that the Kansas side guy? I mean, it's yeah, it's close to Kansas. Okay, all right. I, I, I've never been. I honestly have no plans. You should. Um, I should go? Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, if you're going to go to any Midwest city, I would say Kansas City, besides this one we already live in, uh, is the one you should go to. I don't know why Eric's asking this. When's the last time the New York team won a pennant? I think it was 2015? Mets-Royals, right? Oh, that's the guy. Is that the guy saying the Mets are better? Okay, no. Yeah, we got I mean, a Mets fan. The guy's like, Mets are better. I like, like yeah, the I Mets like are better this. than yeah. a lot of people. Yankees dummy. and Mets run baseball. Okay, yeah, yeah dude, They got the most money. They should. <laughs> They should run baseball. Yeah, Cubs a, better than Sox. They, Sox beat them twice, and they have a worse record. Let's so I don't trade, know about that, let's trade billionaire owners um, to see how the Mets do. Yeah, seriously. And and that, that was the, our guy tried to keep the Mets owner out of baseball. <laughs> there was 29 votes for Steve Cohen to become an owner in baseball, and the only one that wasn't was Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> our guy. All right, uh, let's go to the pitching lines today uh, just to look at this. Uh, Zach Granke went five and two-thirds innings, two earned runs allowed, seven hits, one walk and four Ks. Lucas Giolito, five innings pitched, two run runs, seven hits to two walks and seven Ks. I asked Vinny about the slider, and, and we'll talk about Lucas Giolito here. Let's look at his pitch mix tonight. It was a fine game. Again, you know, two run runs. You can't be really too upset about that, and you love how he bounced back after the Bobby Witt home run. Uh, 53% fastball today. It really felt like he was riding that in the early innings, the first and second. He started using his slider a little bit more, his changeup a little bit more later on in that game. Uh, but it wasn't like a powerful or dominant Lucas start. You know, 26% whiff percentage, which isn't really high for him. Called strike plus whiff percentage is 29%, which is above league average, but he's been above league average and well above league average this year. So it wasn't a dominant Giolito start, but he throws 11 sliders today. Five swings, only one whiff, only one called strike, uh, two fouls, two balls in play. Um, it was, you know, mixed results on a slider. And something interesting that I've been finding out, uh, I've been looking at this stuff plus and pitching plus mm -hmm. stat herb from Eno Saris and Lucas's stuff is down uh, 10 points this year uh, from 100 to 90, which tells you either his Spins changing, his velocity's changing, um, and that's part of it too. I mean, his velocity was down early on in the game. His spin was down early on in the game. Uh, his average fastball spin was around twenty one seventy uh, going into this game. In the first inning, it was around two thousand ninety nine. So a, a little bit of a dip off there. Uh, but as he started racking up the velocity a little bit more, it started picking up, and he started getting better results. But the slider is a pitch that was interesting because that kind of turned around his season last year. Mm -hmm. He started using that slider more, which he started using the change up less which really made it feel a little bit more effective but as you can see you know he was mainly fastball change up today and the slider I feel like he's changing his grip so let's go to the vertical and horizontal movement graphic here to talk about what Giolito might be doing uh, so this is his slider that I think is changing movement by inches and shout out to pine tar keyboard. Uh, if you don't follow Zach Hayes on Twitter, if you don't follow his work at Fangraphs, uh, not Fangraphs, if you don't follow his work at uh, baseball prospectus in Southside Sox, uh, you're doing something wrong. Uh, Zach is fantastic at pine tar keyboard on Twitter, but he was helping me kind of talk through some of this movement stuff. And you could see vertical movement by inches in 2021, 32.4 in 2022, his slider 38.1 versus the league average in 2021. That was probably about 8% less his vertical movement compared to sliders this year. It's 4% above average his horizontal movement, 2.7 inches going horizontally. That's 40% worse than the league average in 2022, 4.2 uh, inches horizontal movement on his slider. That's up to 20 minus 29%. So it's, you know, still below average, but what he's looking for is more vertical vertical movement. And what I think he's done is change the grip on a slider. So Steven, if you want to go to the one cam on me, look at me. I'm directing her. I got this Just big him. ass softball. Oh, there he is. I'll put my hand in there so it'll be a two cam. <laughs> I got this big <laughs> ass softball. I was watching Lucas go over his pitching grips and he said he holds his slider like this. So if you hold up a baseball. And explain it to the people grip, on a podcast yeah, too. If you hold the baseball like this across the two seams uh, and, and you hold it on the, the right if you're a right-hander and you hold it on the right seam uh, right there. I think that's what Lucas was doing. If this is 12 o'clock or, or this side of the ball is 12 o'clock, 
this would be 1145. And this is what StatCast says his spin observation is, that he holds the ball on this side, or at least this is the kind of movement that he's getting. It's not necessarily that he has changed his grip, honestly. Uh, that's why I'm asking Vinny, uh, you know, what has he done or has he done? Because he's messed around with the slider a little bit. Um, but what he's doing was I think he's moved his hands from over this side on the baseball to this side because he's now getting more of a 945 movement rather than an 1115 movement, which is just going to give him more vertical drop and as Zach Hayes told me he's got less active spin his active spin is now below 25 percent it was at 29 percent in 2020 28 percent in 2021 and now it's at 22 percent which means he's getting more gyro spin which means more dip like a a, a curveball which is why he's getting more vertical movement and it's going to be a late break so what it should do is when he throws those fastballs up high in the zone he should be able to locate that slider low and away and get more swings and misses and I think the issue to day was just location with his slider. I think he'll be more impressive or, or get better results when he has all three pitches working together. I want to go to the slider map here, Steven, uh, for Lucas Giolito today. And you could just see the stuff wasn't being located exactly where he wants it. It's being located outside to hitters, as you can see, Herb, uh, there. But it's really not as sharp as he needs it to be. He really wants more balls in that lower corner. It's a little bit too high. It's a little bit too in. He wants that a little bit too, you know, more farther out. And honestly, it's a little bit too out, too. I mean, a lot of balls are, are well outside of, the, of the, the zone and kind of in the other opponent's batting yeah, uh, when the, box. I'm looking at the graph. I'm seeing four non-competitive pitches there, especially uh, depending on the count. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's going to be offering at those pitches. So, yes, he wants that. And what you're explaining, right, there it seems like hitters usually tell you they can see a slider by the dot right like they could see it okay because the spin is a dot it seems like if he's getting less of a spin and it's more going um side and then getting the gyro spin it's doesn't they can't pick up that it's a slider and they can't pick up early like if right. it comes out of the same uh tunnel and if he's throwing that high fastball they're like okay fastball and it's starting in, in that tunnel and then with that late break you're like off and so even if you get a hit a, a piece of it, you're not barreling it up. You're just get, inducing soft contact. And mostly you're probably what Lucas wants you to do is a flail at that ball. And, and look at that. Look at that, Herb. Herb, you said you weren't going to be participating in this discussion. You're dead on. I'm look not here that. with the smart stuff, Sean. And, and the thing is, too, is the gyro slider has a little bit more of late break, too. So it just looks fastball, fastball, fastball. And now when you have three balls that all look like a fastball, and we know what Giolito's uh, changeup does, uh, it's, it, it should get more swing and misses. And let's go to his 2021 heat map where he was locating this slider. It was more effective last year, and as you could see, I mean, all of that red low in a way, but it's not too far out. Out, right you see all those kind of those blue lines right there that's where he's locating a lot of his pitches right there it's not where exactly he wants it let's go to 2022 you can kind of see he's not in those red nice spots a lot of it is just outside oh. of the zone right so I think he's still working on a grip here I, I don't think he's fully got his slider grip down for 2022 it's not a fully effective yet but we saw late in the season last year he was able to figure it out, so maybe we'll be able to see him turn it around uh, this year. And probably had a late start like anybody else because of the lockout and the abbreviated spring training that we've had. So you saw it. He's been working on things, and his father came on with us last time he pitched and said, yeah, he's been working on a curveball since last year. He hasn't perfected it. Lucas is a perfectionist. He's got a sub-3 ERA, and we're over here like, man – this is not the Lucas's best uh, outing. He only but, gave up two earned runs. I mean, and we're process over results. We know it wasn't what Lucas is. We hold him to that high standard. But this guy's a perfectionist. He wants to be the best. And so he's working on things that people don't see. He's trying to fool the batters. So they don't get comfortable like they got last year in Boston and see his pitches and crush them. They don't get comfortable like uh, Max Kepler did on that opening day in 2020 and saw his pitches perfectly and crushed him into the uh, outfield. So he's always trying to get better, not just staying stationary. And I like that. That's a, that's a sign of a champion. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing too, is the guy wants his money. I mean, you, you saw this in the off season, like he knows his worth. He wants to get paid what he wants to, and he, he wants to perform at the best because obviously he's a competitor. I mean, you could just see that, you know, he, he makes a mistake like that and he's like, all right, I'm not, I'm not fucking around anymore. You know, five of the next six, you're getting sent down. So I, I really do like, uh, you know, what Giolito showed tonight. It, it's been fun to see. Um, 
I don't think we're missing anything else, Herb. I think I went through everything. The Sox lost. We're pissed off about it. They're 18 and 19. We're pissed off about it. Oh, hey, let's talk about the White Sox and runners in scoring position because uh, no. that should be fun. Okay, you don't want to talk about okay, that? Okay, let's talk about it. All it's right. more sadness. Well, also, too, real quick, the Sox offense today, they put 10 sliders in play and 10 fastballs in play. They're not looking for something. They're not looking for anything. They're just they're getting fooled by pitchers, and pitchers are doing what they want against the White Sox. That's how I read that because they're not identifying a certain pitch that they want to hit or attack. They're just swinging at everything, and that's the issue with the Sox. 13 at-bats today with runners in scoring position, three singles. Uh, they did, on three of those singles, drive in two runs uh, there, but it, it shows you that they're not getting extra base hits with players in scoring position. One of their last 50 in the last seven games with runners in scoring positions. They're 24th in Major League Baseball with hits with runners in scoring position, 22nd in MLB in weighted runs created plus with runners in scoring position. They are 23rd in slugging with runners in scoring position. They are 30th in Major League Baseball in hard hit percentage with runners in scoring position. Wait a second, wait a second. There's 30 teams in baseball, so that means they're last, Sean? Ding, 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 Herb. I I was told there would be no math, but damn it. I know math. Yeah, you know math. I know my calculus, too. And, and, and Herb, if I said that the White Sox were top five in ground ball rate with runners in scoring position, would that mean they are in the top five? Does that mean no. they're, they're one of I five? mean, yeah, they are in the top five, but they'll be more of the bottom five. You, you, you got it. You're, See, look at me. you're really doing a great job with this hey, math Hey, we North Falcons, man. That's how I do. That's what we do. It's it's just it, and you know it's just what the White Sox do. It's just mm-hmm. it's just fail consistently offensively. And I, I don't know if anything's going to change tomorrow. I don't think anything's going to change against the Yankees uh, tomorrow. You will have Vince Velasquez on the mound for the White Sox, which should be interesting. Herb and uh, Jared Willis are going to be doing the show tomorrow, so that should be fun to see how Jared does does on uh, this Sox show. He does a great job covering the Sox for CHGO and has uh, when Vinny's had some day off. So it should be fun to see those two connect. Vince Velasquez for the Sox, Carlos Hernandez for the Royals. Oh, God damn it. He was he's good. You know what I hate to tell you, Herb? He's been good against the White Sox yes. for his career. Yes. That's why I was like, uh, I was like, it doesn't matter. But also, you know, just put a bad pitcher and see if we can score some runs against them. They did put a bad, they put Brady Singer on the mound. Come on. I mean, they tomorrow, threw easily so out on try the to mound. win the series, even though Ugh. that doesn't mean much. Winning three out of five versus the Royals is expected. This three, well, ugh, and, God damn and the it. thing too is like you can't say that Vince Velasquez doesn't give you a shot to win tomorrow. Davis Martin gave you a shot. Johnny Cueto gave you a shot. Dylan Cease gave you a shot. Lucas Giolito gave you a shot. Maybe it's because the Royals stink. Yeah, but the White Sox are right there with them. Carlos Hernandez in his career, two seventy ERA, twenty innings pitched, six earned runs. I'm glad I'm off tomorrow. I'm glad you're off tomorrow too, because. Sean, I'll be more too? relaxed as in the host What'd seat. You say, can I come too? Yeah, feel free. I'll be you more are coming, rela- aren't you? You're going to the Dallas. You're I'll be good. a day late. You're they're, going to Wisconsin. They're both going to Wisconsin this weekend. I'm going back to Wheaton, but I got to watch this boring game tomorrow. I hope you guys join me for the non-boring pregame and the awesome postgame when I cuss out the White Sox again in the host seat. In the host seat, in the power chair, as uh, as Mike Francesa used to call it. Uh, Alexander Moss says, OMG, 30th in hard hit ball percentage with runners in scoring position. That's a just-make-contact philosophy that's going to lead us to a nice, solid wild game, guard game loss. Uh, here you go. Wild card game? Goddamn, Alexander. And and that's the thing wild is, card I don't know if they're going to make it to the wild card, uh, but Positivity. that was my concern hearing Frank Minichino, right, yesterday. when we, we saw April 25th, he makes these comments talking about how the White Sox, you know, they, they start need to walk and they start need to hit singles and all this small ball bullshit you know having Josh Harrison bunt with you know a 2-1 count uh yesterday right I I think it is part of the just make contact philosophy and I I don't know if the hitters get into positions with runners in scoring position and then they start thinking all right time to make contact time to make contact and they're swinging for the fences when no one's on base like that's my thought is maybe that they're trying to do too much when no one's on base and they're also trying to do too much when people are on base like I don't know like it's in Leary Garcia's nature to make contact and hit a blooping you know uh, shot over the third baseman and get down for a hit to drive in uh, you know Jose Abreu but it's not in Yasmani Grandal's DNA to do that and I wonder if that's what Yaz is trying to do right now is just put the ball in play and and see if they can score runs that way rather than unloading on baseballs like I, I don't know what the philosophy is but it might be something like that I want them to do the opposite of what they've been doing so if they've been Working hard, as Vinny says, they've been doing a lot of BP, a lot of studying before. 
Come in tomorrow, no BP, none, zero. We're not swinging a bat until we get up there and play these games. See, this is what I also wonder about. Night, a day game after night game, going to be a Sunday lineup tomorrow versus Carlos Hernandez, and I'm going to be pissed about that. I better see all the starters in there tomorrow. I better see this lineup that was in tonight in tomorrow. I don't want to see rest for anybody. You already rested most of the people. Yohan's rested, Tim's rested, Abreu's rested. If you need to get Grandal off his feet, cool. Have Reese McGuire in, but that's it. Everybody has to play tomorrow who's a regular starter and do the opposite of what you've been doing. You you've been call? going to sleep early? Stay up all night tonight. Hit Kansas City. <laughs> Just go all, all out. I don't give a damn. You want to make the lineup for tomorrow? Yeah. Okay, so I think Anderson will play tomorrow. Yes, He'll he play will. at shortstop. I think Garcia will bat second. I, I will I will throw that trophy right. tomorrow morning if he's th- so, batting anywhere up in the top third of the lineup. We're going to put Garcia at third base. That hurts. Uh, who do you want batting, batting third? I want Luis Roberts still batting third. And my ideal thing when the man's doing well, it'll be Yasmani, but he's probably going to be sitting out, and now he's not doing well. Him, uh, so it's Robert, then I want to bray you fourth. Okay, well, I'm going to put a bray you third just because you want him fourth. Okay, cool. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and I, I think we're going to bench Robert, too. So we're going to probably put, uh, who, who should we put out? Harrison. Can Harrison play, play center field? Adam, Adam Hazley still available? Yeah, Adam Hazley's going to, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's Brutal. just. It's yeah, just, McGuire will definitely catch tomorrow, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's 100%. And that doesn't, that's not a bad thing. You know, you trying to save Yasmani's knees day game after night game as a catcher. Yeah. That makes sense. But otherwise, everybody better be in the lineup and ready to hit. Yeah, just do opposite. And, yes, do not have Andrew Vaughn bat ninth. He's not a good ninth hitter. Not at all. He'll bat eighth. So How about that? We'll move him up to eighth. And I think we could guarantee Gavin Sheets in the lineup tomorrow, too. Oh, yeah, versus right-hander. Right yeah, so, so, honestly, Sheets will play first base. Abreu will DH. All right, there we go. McGuire will catch. Uh, that that works a lot better. I mean, I mean you know, I mean, maybe we, we have right. Vaughn play right field and then put Gavin Sheets out in and right then, field. And then, yeah, your thing about Luis Robert, put Adam Engel in center. There you go. Yeah, the Adam Engel in center. We'll have Vaughn and Sheets play first and right field. Pollock can be in left, or maybe we could put Harrison out there. Garcia can man third base. T.A. will play short. McGuire will play catcher, and uh, they'll lose the fucking game 5-1. to one. So, I'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm going to Lake Geneva. I'm Don't, done. No. <laughs> I mean, you haven't said goodbye to me Vinny, yourself, Tusk, <sighs> okay. Steven Nicholas. So the White Sox fall to 18 and 19 on the year. 37th game. They're still, what, 125 games. Five games left. So Warm it is Herb. still May. Ding, ding, ding. My guy North. Herb Lawrence will be doing a pre and post game show tomorrow. 110 start, my friends. You're going to have Vince Velasquez versus Carlos Hernandez, the Royals improved to 14 and 22 on the way, and uh, they also improved to four and three against the White Sox on the year. But again, tomorrow pregame show at 12:30 with Herb and Jared Willis should be fun for them. I will be in Lake Geneva. You can follow Herb on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. You can follow the show on Twitter at chgo underscore White Sox. We want to thank Vinny Duber for joining us from Kauffman Stadium. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer, and you can follow his work at allchgo.com, and that is where you can become a member as well. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for your production, and thank you to Fleetwood Mac for putting in so much money into the 1979 album Tusk. It is truly, truly iconic. We'll talk to you tomorrow, and honestly, you know, the Sox don't deserve a go Sox. Win tomorrow. Bye.